Let's just pray, eh, before we get started. Father, God, we just thank you, Lord. Father, more than anything, God, we want your kingdom to come in this place, Father. Come and have your way here, Father. Lord, I just pray, God, that anything that I say today, Father, it's not of you, God, that it goes to nothing, Father. But what you want to say here this morning, Father, I pray that you just change hearts, God. Your kingdom here, Father, as it is in heaven, Lord. Bring your kingdom, Father. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and move in this place. Amen. Amen. Um, I have a... God put a very challenging preach on my heart to um, to bring this morning. So um, don't get offended. Um, but also, I, I challenge you to to if there's something that that upsets you, if there's something that you hear that isn't what you've normally heard in church, because I'm really going to break a, a mold out. Then I challenge you to go and look for it yourself. You know, before you before you come forward and and throw your arms up in the air. Have a look for it yourself. You know, dig into the scriptures and and actually break down what what they're saying. You know, look beyond the the um, mindset that the church has, has put in over over many years. And I just really challenge you to to look beyond the um, the the onset that we have. So in the last uh, little while, especially the last time that I preached, I, I preached on um, our call and 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 the direction of of which the church is heading in. I really, I was challenged this week. I was, I was on a Skype call to a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, and he really challenged me with a question. And, and I was sitting here this morning, and Edith actually, actually talked about it. So I want to pose the question to you. What, as Christians, and you can, you can answer if you, if you're comfortable, what, as Christians, what is our, what are we here to do? What is our, our, our call per se? Anyone, throw it out. Make disciples. Boom. Top of the class. Gold star. He just said this morning, the Great Commission. We've all heard of the Great Commission. To go out to make disciples, right? Everyone, we don't have a problem with that. We're all happy with that. My friend challenged me and he said to me, how do we do that? And we spoke at length about how we do this. And it was such a fascinating, it was such an encouraging um, conversation because we talked about how as Christians we are to go and make disciples. And you know, I, I started thinking about something and it was... Paul, we, we all quote Paul so often, but what was Paul's, what was the foundation of his teaching? Who was the foundation of his teaching? Jesus, right? So we, we, we start churches or we, we, we go in churches and we get so pumped up and we focus on the core, but we forget the actual foundation of which our call is based. And we're happy to say the church is, is based on Christ. He's our cornerstone. Awesome. What does it look like? I bet if you asked most Christians and said, what is your church based on? They'd say Christ. Fantastic. But if you ask them, what does it look like? They fumble around the answer. And, and, and I started thinking, man, it's, this is huge. You know, we are in a place now, in, a, in, in the foundations of a brand new church, a very young church, and we are focusing, I believe, in, in, in my preaching, I was focusing on the, the call or the place we wanted to go, but I didn't focus, haven't been focusing on how we actually get there. So, the, so this morning I want to break down a very simple, simple church teaching that we would have all heard for years. But I want to take us back to the focus, the foundational focus of which is Christ. So go with me to, um, to, to Genesis 2. 
Now, I'm not going to directly read out of it, but if you've got your peepers in there, then we can, we can understand the story. Now, Christian or not Christian, most of us, most people in, in today's contemporary society understand Adam and Eve, true? We, they have a, a basic understanding of Adam and Eve plucked a fruit, ate it, broke the promise with God. That's about as far as it goes for some. But what I really want to, want to look into is the fact that Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden were made perfect. Yep. They were made in, in, in the perfection of God. So the, the nature of who they were, the image of who they were was perfect. They had no worry of anything because they knew that their provider, their king, was, was God. You know, we, we've heard lots of times, I love the fact where it says that they actually walked in the cool of the day with God. Okay, so they, they are perfect beings with an understanding of relationship of God, a pure nature. As we read on into, into three, we, we, most Bibles will have it linked as the fall, right? So we read on and we see that there's, there, there is a serpent that comes along and offers something to Adam and Eve. Now we focus a lot on the fruit, but what he actually offered to Adam and Eve was unbelief. He posed to Adam and Eve, <coughs> pardon me, he posed to Adam and Eve that there is a better way to do what you're doing. Okay, so now for them, they had in question the nature that God had put in them. It wasn't the fact that they took the fruit, it was the fact that Satan had posed in them an area of unbelief. Now, I want to pose to you now that sin, what we have, there is only one sin. And we saw it in the garden at, at in creation. And what was that? Unbelief. Unbelief. They didn't believe what God had said. Because if they had of, they, the, the enemy wouldn't have had any movements on him. If, if Adam and Eve truly believed and had no disbelief in their heart, they wouldn't have taken from the fruit because they would have stood on the fact that what God had said. Are we all good? We're all okay with that. I want to, I want to build something so that I can, I can move into something else. Okay. So we now have a, a question posed before them in, in three where, um, the serpent says, if you take this, you will be like gods. Okay. You have the, the understanding of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay. So, so Eve takes the fruit. She gives it to Adam. They both eat of the fruit, which, which brought in to them an understanding of good and evil. So it changed their very nature. They were created perfect with a perfect nature. Now they've taken the disbelief and they've eaten of the, the, the fruit which brought about unbelief, sorry, through unbelief brought about sin into their life, a nature of sin we are normally told. But I want to challenge you, sin actually isn't mentioned in that verse. If you go back to the old text, there's no actual word of sin used in the full story where he takes the fruit. What does God say to Adam and Eve? If you take of this fruit, you will die. Okay, so he puts before them death, only death if they take from the fruit. So Adam and Eve take from the fruit, do they die? Eventually they die, sure. But what happens in their, in, their, in their physical bodies? They don't die physically. So where do they die? Spiritually. Okay, there we go. Now we're on the saying. So the fruit comes in. I know, I'm, I know I'm putting it very simply, but 
I really feel like we, the, the church misses this and we need to get it. Okay, so, so now they've taken the fruit and they've died spiritually. So there's a spiritual death there. In, in John 17.3, Jesus explains that eternal life is actually knowing God. Right? So when Adam and Eve took of the fruit, they lost their internal life because they lost their relationship with the Father and they gave it over for the knowledge of good and evil. Right? So they had an eternal life because we're all eternal beings. We have to be because we go either heaven or hell. There's still an eternal life. You still don't, you still don't, you don't cease to exist. Your spirit still lives on. So we're eternal beings in that sense. But Jesus actually said that eternal life is knowing Him. So for them to give up their life, they gave up their knowledge of God. Hence why when the fall came, we lost our relationship with the Father. And our life now is in a, a walk to get that back. Our ploy to Christians is come and have a relationship because you lost it at the fall without them. Okay, so they died spiritually. They lost their eternal life because they gave, they gave up the knowledge of God. They gave up that relationship with God in order to walk in the knowledge of good and evil. Big mistake. They, they definitely worked that out. So we don't actually hear sin until the verse after where God explains to Cain, I think it is, um, yeah, to Cain where he says that if you do this, sin will be crouching at the door. So, so Adam and Eve actually had no knowledge of sin at all. They didn't know what sin was. The sin wasn't a, a big deal for them. But they knew that if they ate from the tree, they would, they would die. So what we see now is, is a, is a perfect, a perfect human. They allow sin in and they have a nature now that is not the perfection of God. Okay, so now from Adam we have a nature of sin. He has a sin ingrained in him that's passed on from generation to generation through his seed. So when we see, when we see, I was actually sitting there when I was writing this sermon and it was actually interesting that it rocked me because God brings Noah and he floods the earth. But there's still sin after Noah, isn't there? Now there's a, there was, the, the earth was at such a bad place that, that Christ, that God wanted to flood it of all that and, and essentially start again. But the sin still carries on. Why does the sin carry on? Because it's the seed of Adam. Exactly right. So Adam, in taking the fruit, takes on a new nature, a sinful nature, and he passes that down from generation to generation to generation, of which we still see today. Hence, the world is riddled with sin. <clears throat> okay, so, so God before, which is what I'm getting to, before Christ, there is no notion of removing that sin. There is nothing that God does to remove that nature of sin from from Christians or anybody before Christ. Okay, are we is, is everyone with me? Throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the Old Testament, we see the word sin, we only see one use of the word sin. One word. And that word I'm going to attempt to say it is kautal, K-H-A-W-T-A-W in our English language. But it's kautal and it means to to miss or by inference to forfeit. So it's the giving over of something. The sin is talking about taking what we had and giving that over. That's what that, all throughout the Old Testament, that's what we see. That kaltor, that sin, is to forfeit and to give over what we had. Interesting, isn't it? 
that we don't actually see the word sin in 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 Genesis, sorry, in, in when it talks about the fall, but we actually see the motion of that because Adam and Eve gave over what they had. Okay, so so that's that's the old covenant, the old view of sin, we understand. That it was a nature in place in Adam from the very beginning, passed down. So now when we come into the New Testament, when we come into to um sort of pre and, and post post-Christ's death and resurrection, we we see something a little bit different. That word for sin is no longer used. And there's two other words, the two other primary root words that are used for sin. One is hamartano, and the other is hamartia. My Greek is terrible. I, I don't listen, I only read, so I just make it up, make the uh, pronunciations up as I go. But you get the gist, the point. So the first one, hamartano, is actually used as a verb. Okay, so for those who don't know what a verb is, a doing word. Something that you do, an action that you can, can, can pass out, a verb. And the word actually means to miss the mark. So the, so the verb, hamartano, means to miss the mark. The other one that we see is hamartia, and it's a noun. So it's actually a state of being. So hamartia is actually speaking of that state of being that Adam had, was given in the garden when he took the fruit. Do we understand? Okay. So hamartia, can, hamartia, the noun, is also used to miss the mark, but it's from a being, not a doing. So it's not that I've done something wrong and I've missed the mark. It's that in me, I'm missing the mark. Exactly. So, so now we go from the understanding of sin being explained differently in the Bible. You see, we have to, when we, when we look at a, a text in the Bible, we cannot read it and then apply it straight away. Because we have to take into context what was the original language? What was the context? What does it mean to us now? What was the writer saying and who was he saying it to? Because we have to begin to understand what are we actually talking about here? You know, there's that, that classic verse, um, where it says, if you're, if you're lukewarm, then I'll spit you out of my mouth. That verse is in, misused in just about every time I've ever heard it, because that's not what it's talking about. He, the writer was actually talking about two rivers that, I don't want to go into it, but it, that is terribly misused. And they use it to, to tie people into sin, but you can't do that. You have to go back, break down, what is it saying? What does the word mean? What did they mean when they wrote it? Because remember that the Bible is essentially a big game of Chinese whispers but the Holy Spirit was on it. So we can understand that this has been translated, but we still have to do the due diligence and go back and look. What was the original text? What did it mean? Okay. Hamartano, which is a verb. Hamartia, a noun. So I'm just going to put that on pause for a second. I'll come back to it in a moment. So now we see Jesus. We understand that Jesus came. Jesus could not have come from another man, otherwise he would have carried the seed of Adam. So if Jesus was born from another man, he would have that seed would have been passed down in Jesus and he would have had sin. The Bible said that he knew no sin. Why did he know no sin? Because he was born from an immaculate conception from the Holy Spirit. So the, the, the seed of man, that sin seed that we see at the very beginning in Genesis, this is the first time we actually see that seed removed. 
So in Christ, the seed of sin is not there. Hence why Jesus knew no sin. Right? So for, for so long we, we talk about the Immaculate Conception, but we, we never really stop to go back and go, oh wow, actually that makes so much sense. Of course he wasn't born of man because he would have carried that sinful nature. So now Christ essentially is the only one without that sinful nature at this stage. So Adam, so Christ now removed from the line of man, removed from the line of sin because of his, the Immaculate Conception through the Holy Spirit. God's kingdom is a heavenly kingdom. So we must be heavenly in order to enter into that kingdom. Okay? It, it, it has to be like that. It just doesn't make any sense if it's not. So in Romans, Romans is the most amount of times that we see sin, we see sin mentioned. It's mentioned 46 times in Romans. And in that 46 times, it is only used twice with that word hamartino, which is a verb. Twice of the 46 times. The other 44 times, my maths serves me right, the other 44 times, it's that word hamartia, which is the nature of sin. So when we see, when we see in Romans, it talk about sin is removed, it's that word hamartia. So what does that mean? The nature of sin through Christ is removed from us. See, now this is where, this is where we start to get a bit rocky in, in most of the Western contemporary churches because we build a platform of you need to monitor your sin. But now we're met with a, a picture, which is in Romans, which we're going to look at in a moment, that actually says that your nature of sin has been removed. So how can I, how can I monitor something? How can I bring under control something that has now actually been removed from my life? You see, we, we think about that sin monitoring. I was thinking about this this morning. We think about that sin monitoring. We think the old classic movies, the, the old school Catholic churches where they're whipping themselves on the back. You know, spiritually, we still do that today. Sure, we don't get a whip out and, and crack ourselves, but gee, we, we bring ourselves and other people through the ringer when it comes to sin. But I want to put it to you that the, the Bible is actually saying that your sin, that the nature of your sin has actually been removed through Christ. If that didn't happen, Christ wasted his time. Because he came to say that I will die for your sins. But then we still put ourselves under this, this cap, captivity of sin because we don't understand that our nature is actually no longer in that sin. <clears throat> I've bounced all over the place and now I've no idea where I'm at. Okay, so go with me to, to Romans 5.12. I'm reading from the ESV and the, and the top of, the top of this verse in my Bible, I don't know what it says in yours. I'm, I'm fairly certain that the King James says, has this title as well, but the title is Death in Adam, Life in Christ. 
So I'm going to read through, I'm going to stop a little bit to highlight some things and, and we'll just go from there. So Romans 5 verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death came through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Okay, now, so that's that line that I was talking about before. Adam passing on his seed of sin. Death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgressions of Adam, who was a type of one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation for all. He's talking about condemnation not just for one person, but for all who are under that seed. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. Just a little sidebar. Justification. Go on, when you go home, go and have a look what it means to be justified. Because that, that right there says that righteous, um, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For who? For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. So what was the one act? Not a tricky, not a tricky question. Yes, Christ dying. Yes. So, so now we see we have an old nature. Adam passing it down. Then we see Christ die and take that nature and then say, if you want, come and live through me and you will have that life. So the righteousness, sorry, the justification comes through Christ, but brings us into a free place. So why in the world do we then bring ourselves back under this condemnation of I've got to check myself and check my sin? Because if I don't, Christ is going to be um, angry at me. I don't know where it says it. Um, someone will correct me if I'm wrong. But it speaks about the fact that Christ will actually not remember our sin. But how many times... Do we sin and then put ourselves under this, this terrible, oh my goodness, I've stuffed up. For all of you sitting there going, he's saying that we can all go and sin. No, we can't. I'm going to get to that. Don't stress. Relax. It's all good. But if we're going to, if we're going to talk out of the Bible and use the Bible to have a stance on what our life looks like, we cannot move past the fact that Christ is saying that justification will come through me. We cannot miss the fact that the removal of our sin nature is now gone. So now, as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, saved, you know why it says we have to get born again? Do you understand that when we get baptized, that's not just a fun little thing that we do so that people see that we're Christians. That baptism, as we submerge in the water, in the spiritual realm, that spiritual death from Adam and Eve that we spoke about earlier becomes alive again. 
as we raise out of the water. That is not, baptism is not a, um, a fun little diagram that we give so that onlookers can see that we've all become Christians. If that's the case, why does Peter take the eunuch straight there with no onlookers? He just did it because he needed to have saved. Why? Because the spiritual baptism, the spiritual death in the water and the resurrection in your spirit, man, is what that's all about. So now our spirit stands in a place of what? Justification through Christ. Because we died with Christ in that spirit realm. We take back the death that Adam brought on We leave the seed of Adam and we come under what? The seed of the last Adam, Jesus Christ. So now we have a whole new picture because as Christians, we have a a justified spirit in Christ. Where is Christ seated? Right hand of the Father. Where are we seated? So how can we sit there if we're filled with sin? We can't. We cannot sit in that place filled with sin. It makes no sense. If we're going to make sense of the Bible, which I love to do, I'm a logical thinker. I like, I like my ducks in a row before I do anything. I ask my wife, I like to have the house clean, things in its place, because I like to think like that. So when I look at the Bible, I go, it doesn't make any sense. How can I be justified through Christ, yet so riddled with this condemnation of myself in sin? We just, we just can't do that. We have to start to question and look deeper. You know, we, we live in a world now that, we live in a world where there's so much information. There's so much news. There's so much rubbish. But people want to know the truth. They don't want the surface thing anymore. They want to go deeper. So I challenge us. Why as Christians don't we do that? Why can't we go, man? And this is for me. I, I, when I was writing this sermon, I was so excited but also overwhelmed with the fact that, man, we've got to understand this stuff. We've got to get our other books. We've got to get our concordances. We've got to get our understanding the words, understanding the place, so that we can, as Christians, stand in a place where we go, no, I'm not a filthy sinner. I used to play in a, um, a, a band, um, and we, we did some amazing gigs. And I, I remember we were at a Christian festival, and um, we were standing down. We had sort of a manager with us, but she was sort of just helping us out. But we were about to go on stage in front of um, a few thousand people, actually, and which was terribly nerve-wracking for me. And she said, oh, guys, can I pray for you before I go on? Before we go on, I was like, yeah, awesome. She gets us in a circle. We start to pray. And, you know, the first thing that came out of her mouth was, God, I know that we're filthy sinners, but you've given us the gifts to do this thing. I nearly fell over. So I had to come out of that and then go and sit on stage and play my heart out thinking, I'm a rotten, filthy sinner. I remember walking away from that conversation thinking, I'm not a filthy sinner. I'm not. I know I'm not. But I've got to go find out how I know I'm not. And it came back to this thing, you know. I'm not a filthy sinner. Why? Because I died with Christ and I was justified in my resurrection with him. Go with me to uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 6, verse 16.
So 2 Corinthians 5 verse 16 says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Imagine Paul writing this. His heart beat for Christ. You know, everything he did was in Christ. And he's saying, man, we used to regard him to the flesh. We cannot do that no longer. 5 verse 7, 4, um, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. If we're still under sin, what passed away? can't answer that question because there's nothing that he's talking about aside from the fact that sin, the old, our old nature that was under Adam, the seed of Adam, the sin that was brought on through that, that's what passed away. So what's become new? Us, our spirit in Christ. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us, us, you and I, the message of reconciliation. So what's the message of reconciliation? Christ. So our message as a church, as a Christian, our message is a message of reconciliation, which is through Christ. So now when I when I, I jump right back to my early question, what are we to do as disciples? We're to show Christ. We're to mimic Christ. We're to be the example of Christ. So you start thinking to yourself, how do I make disciples? I'm at my workplace. Okay, God, how do I make disciples in this place? You don't have to do a fancy conference in there or a fancy lunchroom prayer group. Just be Christ. Now, I'm not saying we're little Christ. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm saying you, you, the nature that we have is in Christ Jesus. So the life that we live, now here's the kicker. We won't get it right all the time. Before I go to that, Something that, that I read from Tozer and I thought it was beautiful. The cross slays the sinner. It does not redirect him. It's from um, dwelling place, man, the dwelling place of God from Tozer. The cross slays the sinner. It does not redirect him. We're not covered by the blood. We're washed clean by the blood. It's not a fixed nature. It's a new nature. God hasn't tweaked a few things and we're good to keep rolling. No, he's taken all of that thing that Adam did, all of that's gone, and now we stand in a new nature with Christ. The first Adam introduced death. The last Adam inaugurates the life of a new creation. He brings in the new creation, taking away what the first Adam did. Okay, so the big question that everyone's sitting there pondering on if I'm going to touch on, awkward if I didn't, huh? So why do we still sin? Why do we wake up in the morning and, and sometimes we just can't, we, we, we just can't do what we know Christ would do? Because our mind, we see in, we see in the scriptures, our mind is not renewed. We have a fallen mind. Our spirit was renewed. Our mind wasn't. 
So it's our job to continually renew our mind. What does Paul say? Romans 12.2 Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, it's not a, oh my goodness, God, I stuffed up again. It's a, change my mind. God, change my mind. Help me with my unbelief. What was the sin that we saw at the very beginning? Unbelief. So what do we need help with? Our unbelief. You see, we have to now start being forward at, okay, Christ, I want to live a life that, what does the verse say? Um, what is good and acceptable and perfect. How do I do that? Every day, God, how do I do that? Renew my mind. And help me with this unbelief. You know, I'm going into a meeting with a guy about something. God, help me with my unbelief. Help me see the bigger picture that you've got. Help me understand. I stuffed up. Okay, God, I stuffed up. I didn't do it the way you wanted me to do it. Help me with my unbelief. You know, um, oh, it's out of mind, but repent. Repentance. When we repent. If you look at that word repentance, the word is metan- metanio. I told you I'm not. Metanoia. 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 Do you know what that means? To think differently. Ooh, that changes a whole, uh, that changes a whole concept of repentance because now we're not groveling back to God to ask for forgiveness for our sin because He already gave it, but we're going, God, help me change this thing. And you know, it's not, it's not always a, a, a drastic change. Sometimes it's little. I just do a little thing. God, my, when I'm with my, my non-Christian mates, my language is actually not helpful. So help me with that thing. You know, help me. Help me change the way that I'm living and being an example to them. You know, or at work, my anger is just so quick. So God, help me with that thing, because I know that my friends, my family aren't seeing you in that situation. So now all of a sudden, our Christian walk starts beginning to, instead of being a groveling back to God, and a groveling back to God, it's, uh, okay, my nature has changed. My mind hasn't. God, help me with this thing. And it's in every instance. It's not a one quick fix all the time, guys. It's that, you know, there's areas of my life where I go, I'm not perfect, but I've got some, uh, I've got some understanding in there. And there's other areas where I watch other guys and I go, man, he does that well. God, help me with my, my unbelief in that area. You know, help me chat with that guy who annoys me to bits. You know, help me with my, my life, my conversation. Now all of a sudden our, our sin is not in regard to our nature. But it's an act of our flesh. It's an act of our our mind that hasn't been changed. Of our of our I terribly dislike this, but in the psychological psychology world, it's called stinking thinking. I think it's a terrible way to phrase it. But in 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 the psychology world, they actually look at at, at guys with with depression and guys with with anxiety, and they talk about the fact you've got to remove yourself from that stinking thinking. You've got to get yourself out of your own little tired world where everything's bad and get yourself into a, a positive place is essentially what the secular psychology world would say. That's what the Bible is telling us to do. Get your head out of this place that's bad. Ask God how to show you how to walk freely in an area where your mind isn't free. And you know, that's what it comes down to, freedom. Is that when we see sin, when we see this act of the flesh, 
My heart breaks for people because they go, man, I want you to be free in this area. Man, I want you to know my Christ like I know in that area. So when I go to someone and I say, man, I want to help you with this thing, it's because my heart aches because I know you can be free in that. So now all of a sudden I'm not trying to convert you or give you something. It's, man, your life is a mess. Now let me show you something. That you don't have to live under that nature anymore. You don't have to live with that seed of despair anymore because I have the most incredible way out of it. And it's free. You know, when we move past this fact of he's a sinner and move past of he's got Adam's seed, I gotta help the guy. All of a sudden our whole walk becomes different because you're not the crazy Christian guy who's trying to convert him. You're that, you're the guy trying to give him something that's free. And it's the same in the church, you know, when we see someone in, in an act of the flesh caught in something that they don't know how to get out of. Instead of pointing the finger and throwing stones at them, we go, man, come here. I want to help you. Because I know a better way. Why do I know? Because I've seen this thing, you know? For me, I, I get so caught in, in wanting to help people because I, I know it can work. I know God has something for you. So as a church, as a body, as a people, and, and as Christians, we've got to stop pointing the finger and start helping them come out of this, this bad thinking. Once we change our thinking in this area, man, we will bring people into freedom every single day in every part of our life. Why? Because you start walking in something that, that Christ is walking in. I had a few other verses, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave it there. Right. Sean, you wanna just play some things or something? I know that this is a this is quite a it's quite a challenging thing because for so long we've been in in a in a in a world in a in a a, a Christian world that has made sin such a a nasty a nasty word. But when we can start to understand that actually that nature of sin is gone, we can start living in freedom. I um, I like to read a little bit, and I um, one of my favourite writers is is a guy named A. W. Tozer, and he's from from the 1800s. And every time I read a book, I read I only read little snippets because he he writes so full on. He writes with so many. But it's just amazing. But he he wrote in the 1800s, and some of what he wrote is still prevalent, so prevalent today. And he wrote this, which I want us to think about. This is from his book, uh, Man, the Dwelling Place of God. He says, what we, what we need to restore power to the Christian testimony is not soft talk about brotherhood, but an honest recognition that two human races occupy the earth simultaneously. A fallen race that sprung from the loins of Adam and a regenerate race that is born of the Spirit through the redemption of which is in Jesus Christ. We live now in a place where we have an important job because there is, there is two forces that are, that are in this place. One still of the seed of Adam and the other of the seed of the last Adam. One is death and destruction, the other is freedom. But we can't wait till we get to heaven to walk in that. Otherwise, we lose all this time that we have. You want to know how we become, how we make more disciples? 
in every situation we ask ourselves, Christ, renew my mind in this thing. Give me the strength. Show me. Why don't you stand? I'm going to pray in a moment and, and I want Sean just to, just, just to worship a little. If you've got to go or if there's something else on, that's fine. It's not, not a problem at all. We're not going to be offended. But I want to pray in a moment, but I want to ask something. If you're not a Christian, if you have, have no idea what in the world I'm talking about or who this Christ is, but there's something right now in your heart that's just tugging on you. I want you to come to the front. And it's not because I'm, I'm a special preacher or I'm a special person, but because that walk that you will do will activate the fact that you want God to, to reveal himself to you. And I want to ask another thing. If you feel that you, your mind is caught in something, that you, you just don't know how to get out of it, you're not a filthy sinner, but your mind needs to be renewed in that area. So I want you to come to the front as well. And we want to pray. You know, this church is... He's a church that as a family, we, we want to pray for each other. We want to look after one another. So if that's you, if there's something that's just tugging on your heart, that, that you know, God, I want freedom in this thing. It's not because you're a sinner. It's because your mind hasn't been renewed and God will do that the moment you ask him to. So Father, we thank you, God. Jesus, we thank you so much, Father, that you took that seed from us, God. Father, that in your perfection, God, you bring us into a place of justification, Father. That we don't have to wrestle with this sin anymore, God, because you've taken it from us. God, that when we ask for it, Father, you will give us the wisdom and the, and the courage that we need, Father. When we cry out for you to renew our minds, Lord, you listen. And you do that, God. So I pray, pray right now, Father, that any heart in this place, whether they've come forward or not, Father, that any heart in this place that's wrestling, God, with a renewal of their mind, Father, that, that you touch them right now. any heart in this place, God, has been told that they are a filthy sinner, Lord, you break that off right now in Jesus' yes. name. That, you are a, that they are a son, a priest of the Most High. God, that you called them into being, Father. That you sent your son to die for them, Christ. That you, that you drank that cup that you didn't want to drink. For every heart in this place, Father. And we just break off right now that condemnation of sin that's no longer. And we just stand in this place, Father. We just worship you in this place, God. We thank you, Father. We just worship you in this place, God. It was your great love that saved my soul 
God sent your Son, now nothing can separate us. Your love is higher, your love is deeper, your love is wider, your love is stronger, your love is all I want, your love. Oh, Lord.